Father, this morning we just come to you. We just want to thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, your goodness, your protection, your power in our lives, your provision in our lives. You preserved us. You kept us. Eleven months are almost over, Lord. One more month and another new year. Oh, Father, we just surrender everything into thy hands and we pray, Lord, be with us, go before us. Even now, Lord, I pray for a touch of God. For everyone who's here and those who couldn't come, one touch. Open our ears, open our minds, open our understanding, open our hearts that we might receive you, Lord. For you are the word. You are the God of your word. Touch, Father. Help us to receive the life that you came to bring us. Let every heart be still before thee. Every restless mind be still. For your word says, be still and know that I am God. Speak peace into every heart. Rest into every soul. That we may be able to sit and hear what you have to teach us today. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Over the years, weeks, months, you know, we spent a lot of time preaching, teaching, and studying the Word of God. One of the main reasons why we do it is because experts, those who study history, lives of people, they say that everyone tends to base their decisions in life on one of the four motivations, either on circumstances or on conveniences or on criticism or fourth one, on convictions. And people who have left their mark in history, whether good or bad, were people who had deep convictions. So if we are going to build convictions, it's also important that we build on something that is going to last forever. And everything in this world keeps changing. But in the word of God, in Isaiah 40 and verse 8, scripture says, the grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands for ever. That's why scripture says, the one, the man, the woman who does the will of God, he too stays forever. So if you want to build convictions, we need to build it on something that lasts forever. Deep rooted, I would, I would say eternal convictions. That's, we get it from the word of God. Over the weeks, especially celebrating the 500 years of the Protestant Reformation, we have specifically looked at the importance of the word and doctrine. Today we turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, looking at the beginning of the church, when the church as an entity began 2,000 years ago on a specific day. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, 
And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is how the church started. And these are the pillars. The foundation is Christ. The foundation stone is Christ. That you repent, you come to know him personally, you're born again. That's the foundation. But after that, the pillars on which our life, our faith life is built is on these four. It's on doctrine. It's on fellowship. It's on breaking of bread. And it's in prayers. And then what we see in scripture after that, there is a tremendous move of God in their midst. This is a divine order. And something which we need to realize is one cannot change divine order. God has put certain things in order and that order has to be there in every life, every home, every church. This order is equally applicable in a family, in a person's life, in a family or in a church. Because they are all interconnected. When we take one off, it remember, it affects the rest. It affects the rest. If you take one of these four off, it will automatically affect the rest. So today we are going to look at the second one in this. Remember we looked at the word, we looked at the breaking of the bread also. But today we are going to look at the second pillar. All the doctrine you and I learn, hear, memorize, take notes with. It's not going to take prepare us for the kingdom if we talk, take off the other building blocks. Remember, doctrine itself doesn't save anybody. Doesn't prepare anybody to meet Christ. There are four foundational pillars which God has put in a family or a church or a believer's life. The second one there is fellowship. Understand fellowship is there in the world too. So many kinds of fellowship groups in the world, not specifically the church. In the world, they say the most honest fellowship group is found in the bar. Where you can be yourself. And they accept you as you are. Okay, That's why people go there bar bar. Okay? <laughs> but we are not talking about that fellowship at all. Okay? There is all kinds of fellowship. You know, people come together for an interest or a cause or a purpose. You know, you have hobbies and you have a group around it. Those who love cricket have a group around cricket. All kinds of groups are there. And they fellowship among in that group. But when the kingdom of God is talking about fellowship here, it is not talking about that. For we are not talking about fellowship in terms of hanging out as the world does. The world talks about, you know. That's why God puts doctrine above fellowship. In the world, sometimes fellowship is put above doctrine. Doctrine doesn't matter. Fellowship. Okay? So you will see even churches, where you will see where churches where they have put fellowship Above doctrine. 
there are fundamental issues when we change god's order because god in his divine order has set patterns we need to realize this we were created for fellowship with god and with man with god and with man. we were created primarily for fellowship adam walked with god Adam fellowshiped with God every day of his life before the fall. But still God said it is not good for Adam to be alone. No. Adam could fellowship with God, but God said that was not enough. He need to relate with somebody of his own kind. Understand that. From the beginning of man's creation, God has made it fellowship is fundamental with God and with man. and it is fundamental to the life in the body of Christ because it is through fellowship that the life of Christ flows into the other parts and that's how we share the same life jesus came to bring us life and life in abundance and one of the primary ways that life is shared that life is shared into the parts of the body is through fellowship Like I said, remember this is not any group that is out there in the world that gathers for a cause. The church in God's sight is absolutely different. In Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 and 15, Paul introduces church in a different term. He says, "For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named." There is a church invisible gone ahead of us and there's a church visible the local church and the visible body of Christ around the world it's a family and God is the father it's a family so remember the church is a family and in families fellowship is very very important but like i said fellowship in this family is determined by the rules set by the father that's why doctrine is put above fellowship we just can't have any kind of fellowship fellowship is determined by the rules set by the father so in 1 john chapter 1 and verse 7 scripture says If we walk in the light as he is in the light. First scripture says if we are able to walk with God then we have fellowship with one another. And third it says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. No. I mean if you look at it logically why did the writer through the holy spirit have to put it over there? No. This should have been enough. And why do you have to bring this over there? Walk with God, walk with man. But scripture says the issue is not walking with God and walking with man. When we try to do that, we are going to constantly hurt each other. We are going constantly going to sin with each other. And then what is going to happen? We will come back to the blood and the blood will cleanse us. And we'll continue to fellowship deeper with God and with man. We were created to fellowship there are no christians who live in isolation if you do probably you are not one you are not a christian 
because we are a body, a family. So scripture says, if you walk with him, we'll also learn to live with one another, live as a family. We need to understand from scripture, as soon as Adam's walk of fellowship with God was affected because of sin, his fellowship with the other human being, with his wife, also was affected. As soon as his relationship with God was affected, his relationship with his wife also was affected. That's where doctrine comes. In a family, there could be all kinds of kids. But it's still a family. They're still a family. That's why Acts chapter 2, the portion we saw, scripture says, they devoted or steadfast in their fellowship. They were steadfast in their fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. God has made us that way. We are wired for fellowship. But remember, there are issues with fellowship. Fellowship will always, there's always an open door and possibility for conflicts. Because there are two individuals with often different upbringing, different expectations. There will be conflicts. There will be issues. That's why we saw earlier about the breaking of bread. Why the breaking of bread is put the third in the, in the doctrinal. First is doctrine, then fellowship. Third is doctrine. Uh, sorry, breaking of bread. Why? Because scripture says in First Corinthians chapter 11 verses 27 to 30. Yeah. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Next Sunday we will have communion. So the bread is brought over there. The wine, both symbolizing his blood and his body, says, if we drink it or partake of it in an unworthy manner, we will be guilty of the body. Okay, the body. That's the church. And the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Yes. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Okay. And scripture says, for this reason, many are weak, many are sick, and many sleep. He says, because conflicts are not resolved. That's why we were talking about issues. Issues can be always, always resolved. Always, doesn't matter what issue it is. It can always be resolved. There's no issue under heaven that cannot be resolved. It's nothing that cannot be resolved. Issues. But the problem is we, we, we take the issues of the paper and we get into personalities. We get into the person. Then what happens is the issue becomes very difficult to resolve. Now I want you to take to look at this both as families, individual families, couples, parents, children, children, parents, and also as a church. Look at issues and leave the personalities. The problem here, this is something which we've been teaching. The issue is, and let me tell you the issue with the believers. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about believers to the church. 
people especially in this world in this age unlike any other age because you see if i were to look into this church i'm not asking how many people honestly if i were to really ask how many people honestly read i'm talking about reading as a habit consistently read maybe 3 or 4 3 or 4 most of you watch most of you watch your visual creatures the problem with visual images is it affects your emotions not your reason so what is happening is this is a generation which is extremely emotional so you have to walk on eggshells because you never know what will offend them they cannot even take a joke because you are living and feeding off your emotions and not your reason that's one of the major reason why there is so much conflicts in a previous generation they would have just forgotten it in 5 minutes we will make you an issue which will go on for 5 years that's why consistently i keep telling the young people read read get to the habit of reading instead of watching read 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 because if you keep watching 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 and it just images 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 you know even on whatsapp we would prefer to watch a 5 minute video or 10 minute video on youtube than to read a pdf that is 10 pages because that will make you think the other one god comes and goes that's one of the reasons issues are not being dealt because anything that is being said is not received with the understanding and reasoning which the word of god and the spirit of god gives us it's all emotions it's all being received with feelings and it's not going to take us anywhere conflicts are only going to increase pressure is only going to increase in life and we are not able to handle it because we are not functioning as individuals as families as churches around the world as god intended us to be scripture talks about jesus this is the word that became flesh and you look at things that were said to him in his face things that was done to him on his face to his face to his body he didn't react at all he didn't react at all he didn't react at all absolutely he didn't react at all you look at it and ask ourselves if that is the head and you and i are the body and if the head could take it why is that if somebody says something we get so offended when they spat on his face pulled his beard slapped him he did everything he had the entire the power of the universe to fry them and he didn't even blink an eye He was not an emotional person though he was emotional he had compassion he wept he cried with loud tears to his father he had emotions but he he was not led by his emotions he was never led by his emotions he was always led by his reason the word the word of god you know otherwise we we are being set up for destruction when trouble the hour of trial comes that's what scripture is talking for this reason many many are weak many are weak spiritually weak because to handle pressure you need strength within pressure 
to handle withstand pressure overcome you need strength within emotions are not going to help you to overcome no you need strength many are sick emotionally sick mentally sick physically sick scripture says many sleep actually means dead because they did not resolve issues in families how do people die of sickness because issues are not dealt and it manifests as diseases half the heart attacks or more because of issues most cases of ulcer is because most diseases have a spiritual root if not all and this is all caused by issues issues god says issues can be dealt jesus at 33 hanging on a cross did not die of a heart attack He says, the son of man has the power to lay down his life and pick it up. He says, no disease is going to kill me. I know how to handle issues. On the cross, he didn't go on a pity party saying, poor me, everybody left me. He says, I understand you. God forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. See, understand how scripture works. And ask Lord, Teach me to be what you want me to be. Because the strength of a church is only equal to the strength of the individuals and the families. Because we are one body. It's a family. The strength of a family is only the strength of the unity that is there in the family and the strength of the individual members. We don't play religion. This is life. Church is a very clear, distinct body seen by God as Christ as the head. It is seen as a family where God the Father is the Father. And this body had a very, very definite beginning. This body, this family of God has a very definite beginning. You will see it's very clear in the Bible. In Acts chapter 1, verse 21, therefore, this is Peter talking about in place of Judas, adding one more apostle. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that Lord Jesus went in out among us, beginning from the baptism of... this, always a beginning. It's always a beginning. Your beginning as a part of the family of God is the day you got baptized. That's your beginning. That's why some some years... I tarry with the baptism. I mean, you can get baptized anytime when you are ready. But we need to understand what baptism means. Baptism is leaving something and joining into the body of Christ, into the family of God. In verse 41 of chapter 2, you will see also the church had a very, very definite beginning. Those who gladly received his word were Baptized. Baptized. And that's the beginning. There is a beginning. Very clear. And you know, the numbers kept on increasing. And as the numbers kept on increasing, there were many issues. It's like I said, a family of different age children. Many issues. In Acts chapter 6 verse 1, you have an issue. Now in those days when the number of disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. 
two groups. One is Jewish widows and the non-Jewish widows. And there was a complaint that the Jewish widows were getting less. Now we will think, oh, the first century church must be very sanctified. God says, no. They also had the simple, silly issues which happens everywhere. Like children complain, I only got two biscuits, you got three. That was the complaint. And the apostles knew that's an issue. They said, let's not make a fuss about it and make it into two groups and says, I am the group Greek church and you are the Jewish church and make two factions and elect two pastors, break the church. And said, no, no, no. To do anything. We'll pick seven people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom so that they will supervise the giving. Let's deal with the issue. But that's not how we deal with the issues here today. If today it is, will be there. Huh? Huh. Senior pastor is Mallu. Second pastor is Telugu. Let's make two groups here. You know how things happen in churches? But it is just an issue. What is the issue? The issue is connected with bread. The apostle said, let us keep it simple. Deal with every issue. Deal with issue. Are you getting the picture? Everywhere issues are there. Okay? There were orphans. There were widows in the church. They were all there. There were needs in the church. And when these needs increase and the numbers increase, there are a lot of issues. The church was not an NGO. It was not an NGO. It was a home with definite rules. Very clear rules. Very, very clear. The church was very clear. That's why I always said doctrine goes above everything else. If doctrine is set and very clear, and we choose to work within the ambit of the doctrine, almost every, not every, almost every issue can be resolved. But first, that is the key. First is, you get baptized. You get baptized. And you rise up as a new person with this solid conviction and commitment to this body into which you were baptized. You were baptized into this. Can you, can you hear? You were baptized into this body. And there there is conviction. I am, I belong to this body, there I am steadfast. I am steadfast in doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. You have to be steadfast. You make, you are convicted. You are absolutely sure. You put your hand on the plow and you are not going to turn back. Once you have done that, every issue can be resolved. Every issue can be resolved. Let me give you Connected with an issue the church was facing. And why the church could handle that issue very clearly. Very issue. Let's see the doctrine there. First Timothy chapter 5 verses 3 onwards. You look. Okay. Did I give it to you? Oh, I'm sorry. Honor widows who are really widows. You see that? Honor widows. Really widows. But, but, any widow has children or grandchildren. Let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents for this is good and acceptable before God. Church is very clear. There are plenty of widows. And all these widows who got saved and came to the church, the apostles were very clear. Seven people are selected. 
Doctrine is very clear. Be very sure she is a widow. Be sure she doesn't have anybody to take care of her. Because charity begins at home. Teach them. Teach them. Take care of their own. Then, now she who is really a widow and left alone, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Okay. Now, the leadership is told, check out this widow before you burden the church with the widow. Check it out. Is she given to supplications and prayers? Is she a praying widow? Is she a praying widow? But she who lives in pleasure is dead when she lives. There are, there are, you know, every time I go to Kerala, I'm telling you, every time I just came back from, every time I go to Kerala, my entire locality where I live, where my home is, all Syrian Christians, you know, the whole, this thing. And me, one Pentecostal in the middle over there. So I don't know how it happens that day I land up, some Pentecostal will sniff and come home. I call them Pentecostal beggars. They're not coming for anything, coming just for an offering. And it's a shame. Because in the community where my home is, I reach, by five o'clock somebody turns up. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I get so irritated. Because here you are trying to be a witness to these other community who are dead against anything of doctrine. And people who supposedly knows doctrine and the spirit comes begging. No. But he who, she who lives in pleasure, meaning interest in the world and things of the world, is already dead when she's living. Don't burden the church with them. Burden the church with them. Next. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Do you see how clear doctrine is? This is something which I keep telling pastors. I said, don't do anything outside the word if you don't want trouble in your ministry. The church's job is not to feed the world. The church's job is to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Gospel is the power of God unto salvation from the beginning till the end. And then those who get saved, among those who need help, check them out clearly. Whether they really need help, do they have people who can help them? Verse 9. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into that number. When is it this being told? 2,000 years ago when life expectancy was not even 60. Today, people live up to 100. Okay? Now let's skip to the number God's word has given so we will not play with it. And not unless she's been the wife of one man. Well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work, only those include them. Others, let them fend for their own. How simple scripture is. How simple scripture is. Scripture is very simple. But refuse the younger widows. For when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they decide to marry. 
having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. Do you see how doctrine helps? Because where does conflict come from? Conflict will come from all these things where people start believing it is the church's duty to take care of me. And God says, no, it's my duty to take care of you. The church's duty is to preach the gospel and to teach them to depend upon God and help one another so the power of God is manifested in the world. Why I'm telling you it is all this is connected with walking in the light. All this. All this is connected with walking in the light. There is no pressure actually if we stick to doctrine and then allow fellowship to be determined by doctrine. Because every issue in the family of God can be dealt in the light of God's word. And when it is, there is true fellowship. Because the family of God, the people of God are a set of people who got baptized and are steadfast to doctrine and have surrendered to the correction and the judgment of the word of God. So any issue can be resolved. Why is it possible, why is it not possible to resolve today issues in Christian homes? It's simply because people do not submit to the word of God. It's got nothing to do with the issue. Issues are fundamentally all still the same and basic. It's simply because people refuse to come under the submission of the word of God. And the word of God is very clear. There's no gray areas with the word. If you look at the history of the apostolic church, this church, within three years, they say, Stephen was martyred, James was beheaded, persecution had begun, the church was scattered all around the world, yet they thrived. They were turning the world upside down. Why? Because their strength came from true doctrine and genuine fellowship. They were bound as a family. And God was in their midst. Working in their midst. The Bible calls the local church as the body of Christ. It calls it God's field. It calls it God's temple. It calls it God's family, where God's building, various names are given, the local church. And we know families can be dysfunctional. Like the church also can be dysfunctional, families can be dysfunctional. Because babies can be very difficult to handle. All the mothers who have small babies know how she can, that he or she will be like a cherub one moment and like a Little imp the next minute, all it needs is colic and it's over. That night sleep is gone, everything is over. Right? Babies can be difficult in the same manner. Baby Christians also can be difficult. Which is true. Maybe older person but a baby Christian, God says handle them. No, we know in families when the teenage comes, can make out the teenagers, the hairstyle changes. Their jeans get tighter, you know. They are so conscious about their outward appearance because that's when they are aware. Their awareness is not genuine, but they think people are looking at them. (laughs) Often the only person who notices their hairstyle is the pastor. (laughs) Okay? 
they are very very aware of the world around them and they think the center of gravity has shifted and now the world is revolving around them okay that's what happens so they become automatically even more today they become rebellious teens they challenge parental authority and instruction so in the same way when of this little baby christians get a little knowledge of the word of god they also become rebellious church members they do the same god says all this handle it this is all part of the family function okay it's all part of it issues will come as you deal in a family deal it with scripture to handle how is that's why the whole old testament is given how issues were there in families and how issues were dealt now the church is present to the world as a family and says deal it how god has instructed us the failures of the members of the family does not negate a family does not negate the instructions of the lord either let me ask you this question to all married couples here married for 6 months 1 year 10 years 30 years 40 years also is there okay or more if you are disappointed in your home If you're disappointed in your marriage why are you disappointed isn't it because there is an objective and subjective reality exposed in the word isn't that why you're disappointed if the word of god is very silent about marriage will you be disappointed where there are no expectations there are no disappointments When you read the word of God you realize there are expectations. And when those expectations are not met then there are disappointments. But your expectations should be true. Your expected the problem with teenage is their expectations are all from the world and they expense sometimes godly parents to fulfill their expectations and when they say no they rebel. That is the prodigal son. The prodigal son told I want I have expectations and you are not meeting my expectations and I need to go and you need to pay the bill you pay the bill and I shall meet my expectations father said okay take it and go okay few years down the line in the pick pin his expectations changed scripture says he came to his senses and he rose and he realized what his father expected of him was actually true and he goes back Okay so these things are all given by God in the Bible. So there is a reality in the Bible. It is exposed in the word. Okay? When it comes to the wife Ephesians 5 verse 25 this is an expectation. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay? So there is an expectation. I'm not talking about in the world. In the world expectations are different. You didn't buy me that, you didn't get me that, you didn't sing that song, you didn't give me flowers. These things are not mentioned in the Bible. I'm not talking about worldly expectations. I'm talking about scriptural expectations. Because for a woman to be unsatisfied in her marriage is simply because she looks at this. This Christ and she knows there is much to this in this relationship. 
actually if you look at the marriage relationship the, the husband is always on a losing end it's very easy if you want to submit to a man and an authority as much as you want but to love like christ you have to become like him so there is an expectation in this marriage you know you know what you are supposed to love me like you're not meeting that expectations not verbally expressed but i am disappointed okay so there is an expectation expectations are not met okay understand when it comes to the husband those scripture puts that first in order i put it second because this is the age of feminism okay 522 wives submit your husbands as to the lord now this is the thing with the thing with the man when the man reads it he reads only two things he reads this submit and then he reads lord he doesn't read anything else like i said when the woman reads uh love your wives as christ she says christ and love says you need to love me as christ loves man looks and says you know what you need to submit to as the lord i am the lord that's where then when it comes to parents and children okay there is something which scripture demands 61 children obey your parents in the lord for this is right obey your parents in the lord this is right in the lord okay god has put it very clear obedience is in the lord in this classic case in this church where many children have split homes where one parent believes the other parent doesn't believe then what do i do who do i obey in the lord very simple then it comes to parents towards children ephesians 6:4 and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the lord so you see god deals with as a family and in the family he says these issues will come these issues will come and you can deal with issues if you keep to the core if you keep to the core you can deal with any issue what is the core husbands love your wife as christ loved his church wives submit your husband as unto the lord children obey your parents parents don't irritate your children simple that is the core within if you keep this issue you can resolve any issue can resolve any issue so you need to realize scripture itself creates expectations the word a real reality and when we do not follow doctrine on which the family is based what breaks down is fellowship breaks down so we took an example of a family a individual let's say a small family let's say a micro family husband wife father mother and two children and we replicate it in the church as a larger family and let's see what scripture has to tell the larger family which is the church almost similar titus chapter 2 but as for you speak things which are proper for sound doctrine young pastor called titus instructions being given titus i know you are a young pastor 
Okay, but you are dealing with a family and in this family, though you are young, you are the pastor, see that you teach what is in accordance with doctrine. You will have older brothers and older sisters and younger, all kinds of people over there, but remember this is the family. That older men be sober, reverend, temperate, sound in faith, in love and in patience. Okay, you have to Teach this even more to older people, Titus being said, because a sign of genuine aging is not gray hair. It is this. You are more sober as you grow older. More reverent. More temperate. More sound in faith. More in love. More in patience. Because age should be like wine. The older it gets, the more mature it becomes. That's why when a young teenager loses his temper and when an old man shouts abuses, we look at the old man and says, what's wrong with him? Didn't he ever learn in life? Young people are like that, we know. But we're looking at them and says, when is he going to change? So scripture is very clear, very clear about in the, in, in, within the body of Christ. He says, older people, this is older man. This is what you need to be. Need to be in your inside. Change has a person. Because older people, this is what the younger ones are looking at. And then verse 3. The older women, likewise, same standards are told to the older women. That they may be reverent in behavior and not slanderers. And God is not being a feminist, but he's just talking about, you know, anti-feminist rather. He's just saying that women have a habit of gossiping. And he's telling older women, teach the younger ones by example. Yadamat chilana. Don't be slanderous. Not given to too much wine. Teachers of good things. Model. Model. That they admonish young women. Admonish young women to love their husbands. Tell them, love your husbands. To love their children. Older women, look at what the older women are being told to mentor younger wives, younger mothers in the church. Love your husband, love your children. Love your husband, love your children. Love your husband, love your children. And then, to be discreet, chaste, Homemakers. Homemakers. Good. Obedient to their own husbands. Okay. Then older women counsel younger women, don't sow conflict. Don't sow conflict. Don't sow conflict. Tell them, no, this is what the word of God says. This is what. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. Word of God may not be blasphemed. So you have a family there in Ephesians which is talking about the micro family and then you're coming to the macro level which is the church. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober minded. Everybody is told to be not to be emotional. Be sober. Be sober. Not to take everything in your emotions. Not in your emotions. Be sober. Be sober. Be sober. 
is what is told to the older men, the older women, the young women, the young men. Everybody is told, you know what? Don't emotionally react to situations and circumstances. Be sober. Be sober in how you react. Then if you come to verse 9 and 10 of Titus, exhort. Okay, now this is an incredible situation where they say in the Roman Empire, in the Roman Empire, maybe 70-80% of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves. They're slaves. Can you imagine? 30% control 70% of the population, they are slaves. What are they told? The slaves who got saved and come into the church. Okay? Imagine a situation. Let us imagine a situation. I get saved. And I'm in the church. And I have five slaves. They also get saved. And they are also in the church. God is not saying abolish slavery. He says that all in its time it will happen. Time and history moves. Imagine if as soon as this thing, the emperor abolishes slavery, 70% of the population is free, what will they do? So God has this gradual phase in which he does. He does things in his time because he understands he's moving everything. So what does he tell us? You bond servants, be obedient to your own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, no, don't steal, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. You look at what is being asked. What is being asked. Now think about it and transfer it back to you, each one who works in secular systems. You are also bond servants because they make you sign a bond paper. 24-7. They make you sign. And what does scripture say? What is, I mean, that's what I said. You don't look at the rights groups and the unions and you don't look at any of these things because our exaltation comes from above. Our provision comes from above. We are bound by rules which is above your service rules. Not below, above. And this is our service rules. If you are a student, you join the, you don't join a procession against the system. You don't hold placards and stand there down, down. We see, you know, we don't do stuff like that. We simply don't. You will be ostracized by the student community for that. That is fine. That's okay. We don't do stuff. Which the word of God tells us. Because it is God who moves things. But we may be even more prayerful in that situations to be resolved. We have to look at all this and say, you see, our issue is that our principles of life are not derived from the word of God. It's not from the word of God. It is from the world. And then the world, it gets into our emotions. And we are like spark plugs. Somebody just has to turn the key. We start. God says, no, calm down, be sober. That's why the world and the church, the family, genuine family of God are diametrically opposite. In everything it's opposite. It's not the same, it's opposite. And and you are becoming more and more opposite as you learn more and more doctrine and are changing in obedience. You are not becoming like the world, you become each day more and more unlike the world. And it is only those who are active. 
actually becoming more and more unlike the world in the Bible are crying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. I just want to get away from this place. I'm a total misfit here. The only time I feel good is when I go to church. Because that's your family on earth. The rest of the time, I just want to, when are you coming, Lord? Like I said, the kingdom of God and the church, his, the, sorry, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God, the church is built on principles that are diametrically opposite. Let me show you the foundational principle in practice in which the kingdom of God is built. It's in Luke 6 and verse 38 because this is the heart, the nature of God. What is it? Give, it will be given unto you. That's how the kingdom operates. While the world is built on the principle, take. It's a warped image of God, a lie spoken in the garden. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, this is what the devil will say. God knows that in the day you eat it, you will become like God. Take, take, take. If God says, give, give. That's the lie. We have swallowed the lie of the world. But scripture says, that's not how the God's kingdom works. God is a giver. He's not a taker. Even when he takes, he's taking to give even more. That's what you see what is happening in the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. In verse 42, they continued steadfastly in apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. What did it mean? What does it mean? They gave up the membership of the world. They gave up their old self in baptism. And they gave over themselves to the family of God. It's a principle, diametrically opposite. And this is a constant process. The real church of Christ is not a group of visitors. It's a set of people who have put down their rights and picked up their responsibilities. There could be lots of skeptics in the churches around the world, maybe a few even here who say, I love Christ, but I can't stand the church. I've heard people say that. Let me show you from scripture what it means. In Ephesians 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church, unfortunately, for you. Who says, I love Christ and I don't love the church. You see, Christ loves the church. Not only Christ loves the church, he gave himself for her. Christ loves the church. And you fellowship with what you love. WhatsApp, internet, video, YouTube, all this are fine. But that does not replace the physical church. 2000 years ago, they found time every day as a family. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, a few years down the line, now they have to be reminded 
let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works why not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is in the manner of some he says some are very cool about fellowship but scripture says no keep on assembling exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching because the problem is as you see the day being delayed you know it's approaching anyway though it looks delayed we have a tend tendency to become complacent but when you keep on gathering you provoke each other to be on fire for god encouraging a keep on keep on remember no you're not going to be judged for your sin because you're already saved but remember be careful you will be judged for your love you'll be judged for your works keep keep in the faith keep in the faith keep in the faith the day is coming when you are when talking about the day in coming we are not afraid of being sent to hell no we are you are going to stand before him and you're going to give an account so you exhort and stir each other up the secret to the presence of god in the early church was their absolute commitment to the kingdom of god represented by the church their commitment to each other in fellowship the problem with the 21st century church is we are idolaters because we love the world and idolatry always affects true fellowship in the body of christ or in a family idolatry will always crush fellowship in the house of god in a family too that's why i want if you're having conflicts in your home i just want you to sit down maybe individually write down a piece of paper and write what are the core issues in which your conflicts are and see if there is no idolatry are you fighting over things or are you fighting over self You didn't give me the attention I deserve. It's idolatry of self. I'm not saying you shouldn't give. I'm saying if that is one's complaint, then there is a lot of self that has come in over there. Because you must be growing, not regressing. There is pilgrim's progress, but C.S. Lewis also has written pilgrim's regress. true fellowship will be affected by idolatry and idolatry can come in many 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 forms listen to apostle paul in 1 corinthians chapter 10 therefore my beloved flee from idolatry what he was talking about he was talking about everybody knows 1 corinthians chapter 10 by now he uses israel as an example and how idolatry they were fighting over things oh, we are tired of manna we want fish we want meat all kind of things and he says that destroyed them what it broke it broke the fellowship with god and broke the fellowship with one another they were fighting for positions aaron and miriam with moses who do you think you are then the elders came and said who do you think you are you know the fellowship was broken with god and with man and god had to destroy that entire community in the desert because they couldn't talk to each other they had an incredible doctrine brought from the presence of god in two tablets of stone and the entire law but it was useless because they failed in fellowship totally failed in fellowship to so is saying flee i speak 
as to wise men, judge yourselves what I say. What is he saying? The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For though, we though many are one bread, one body, we all partake of that body. He says, don't you see? Every Sunday, he says, when you gather first day, haven't God put that in your remembrance, your one family? Communion, fellowship, one family, many parts, one family. Isn't that what he put it there before? He didn't just die to save you, he died to make you one. Disparate kind of people, but one. One bread, one body. The local church is one body. It is a body, not a program. It's not a program. We may have a Sunday service, but that's not the church. It's a small, tiny part of a function. We gather together on a Sunday morning, kind of semi-officially to worship God. That's why it's called a service. But that's not the, the church. The church is much bigger than that. It's a family. It's not a program. I know you live in the IT world, so you are programmers. The church is not a program. The church is a family. This is the family of God. Composed of people, disparate, all kinds of words they have, but committed to discipleship. Committed to discipleship, committed to relationship, committed to fellowship. You see, the problem is that we bring things out of the world into the church. In the world, we have different kinds of relationships which are functional, which are needed, functional. Okay? Like if you go to your grocery store, you have a grocery store near your house and you're constantly going over there. Over time, you have a relationship with the guy. He delivers things at your house and you you have a relationship. You call him up and he says, okay, you're paying, I'll pay you later when Diwali comes because most of them are... Marwadis, they will give you sweets, all these things. You have a relation, but it's very functional. At the end of it, it's money. You don't pay him, your relationship is gone. You may have a trustworthy, if your car is 15 years old, you have a trustworthy mechanic whom you know so well and you've got a very good relationship, he'll call any time, any time he'll come, he'll fix your car, you've got a very good relationship, you recommend him to 10 people, they all love him, but remember at the core of it, it's money. You may have a doctor, excellent. It treats you for all known and unknown diseases. Excellent. But at the core of it, it is money. Every relationship in the world, even your school, your college, your company, everything at the end of it is money. But when you come to the church, this is a family. God is the father. And the father gives and gives and gives, and gives. And he has a set of rules for the family. He has set rules for the family. John chapter 13 and verse 34, he tells, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That your your boss, when you signed that in your company, did they tell you, love one another as we have loved you? Did Microsoft Bill Gates tell you that? No. Did Steve Jobs tell those who are working in Apple? No. Did he tell you that? No. When he joined your school, did your principal tell you that? No. But Jesus tells you that. I'm giving you a commandment for the family. As I have loved you, love one another. This is not a profit-making company. 
Actually, it could be a company that runs on incredible material loss for 2000 years, but has surplus when it comes to souls. Wealth is counted in souls and not in money. In 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 11 to 15, he says, therefore, what? Comfort each other, edify one another, just as you are also doing. He says, continue doing it. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. That's the last people you want to recognize in the world. But scripture says, recognize them. And verse 13, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourself. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Now let me tell, look at this verse 14 and says, how are you going to do any of these things if you don't fellowship and you don't know each other? These instructions are written to only, makes meaning only to those who live as a family. How are we, how are we going to practice this? How is this going to be even effective? How does this become even the word of God as instructions to us if we don't choose like them and say, you know what, I am committed. I am committed to this family. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, scripture says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be perfect. Be complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Okay, So what is to a nuclear family? Scripture says equally applicable to the church too. In Ephesians 4 and verse 32, what does scripture say? Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. He said, forget those little, little issues. They are not relevant. Cover it. Move on with your homes. Move on with the larger family of God. Are we getting? See, God just didn't give us a savior and say, live as you want. He gave us a savior, made us into a family, and he says, you know what? There is a doctrine, and there is life. The purpose of the doctrine is to regulate life. Purpose of doctrine is not to sit there and write it, memorize it, and go home and live in isolation. Doctrine is useless. That's what happens in schools and colleges. Ten years they make you study. We all studied physics, chemistry, biology, maths. Now, after school, I don't need physics. I don't need chemistry. I know in biology, I don't need math. Only once a month I need math. <laughs> and we think the word of God is like that. Scripture says no. The word of God is lived. You need it every day. These are not subjects. This is life. And for that life Christ came to give us to be experienced, he says, you need to live. Let me give you one simple life rule in the Bible. It's going to be slightly uncomfortable. But let's look at it. Ephesians 4.28, we'll come back to that again. First, let's read it. Let him who stole steal no longer. Meaning many thieves got saved and came into the church. True then, true today. Two. People stole. I mean, whether you stole one billion or one pin from the office, you are still a thief in God's sight. No, I have never stolen. Who's? That pin, no, where did you get it from? Oh, I by mistake brought it back from the office. 
Now that you know it's a mistake, why don't you take it back and return? Oh, no need. So we don't realize many thieves came in. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So rules are given about how to have a wonderful family life in the church. Because the world is built on an old English world called thievery or stealing and selfishness. Okay? The world is built on stealing and selfishness. Remember the rich man and Lazarus? Let's look at the rich man and the Lazarus. Just one second, let us look at it, about what is described. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, fed sumptuously every day. Look at this. Okay, this word fed for you young people means he ate nicely every day. Every day, multiple biryanis there, all kinds of animals. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords who laid at his gate. And verse 21 says, 21 of Luke, Luke, sorry, that same portion. He fed on the scraps that he hoped, he didn't even actually feed, much was hoped. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from his table. Look at the world, okay? It is selfishness and thievery. Here is a rich man eating sumptuously. There is a poor man lying at the gate hoping he can eat some crumbs. That is the world, the picture of the world, the selfish man. Then you have the picture of the king. We sang the song for offertory today. How much do you have? Five loaves and two fish. Give it to me. He takes it. Blesses it, breaks it, gives it, and everybody eats sumptuously, right? And after that, what does he tell the disciples to do? Oh, when the king takes the crumbs, people eat their full. Here, you eat the full, and we eat the crumbs. Did you see how different, how different the kingdom is? Absolutely different the kingdom is. Now God is saying, isn't that how a family works? Do the parents eat first or they see the children have eaten? Sis, understand how the kingdom works. Sis, understand. That is maturity. Understand how the kingdom works. The kingdom doesn't work in the principle of the world. Kingdom works differently. So Ephesians 4.28 will say, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good. That he may have something to give to him who is needed. So there are all kinds of thieves in the world. Small thieves, big thieves, bigger thieves. All kinds of thieves. What does scripture say? Stop stealing. Now all the young people who are drowsy, look at me. Listen carefully. In this world, nothing comes free. Absolutely nothing is free. Even if you receive it freely, I've said it over and over again. Somebody has worked for it. Somebody has paid for it. Always remember, everything that you and I receive has been worked for, paid for by somebody. So if you are a student and you are in school, and you are not studying, and you are fooling around, you are stealing 
from your fathers and your mothers resources you are a thief you're a thief i'm not saying if you're struggling in studies in spite of your hard work that's a different thing altogether i'm talking about those who just don't study they fool around in school play around in school while others are struggling to pay your fee slogging to pay your fees you know what makes you what it makes you it makes you a thief that's what scripture is talking about if you are a student and if you are an employee ask yourself what am i am i an employee who can work without supervision that's a simple question can you work without supervision that's an employee genuine employee in the kingdom of god is somebody who doesn't need supervision jesus did not need supervision joseph did not need supervision daniel did not need supervision they were all employees jesus was employed by his father for a very specific purpose he did not need supervision look at it in those terms he never stole from his father's time he never wasted his father's resources and you need to be honest and ask is that how we function in our homes in our church can we come with a clear conscience by saying that you know what i did not i did not and if i did i repent and straighten my life out oh lord like i told you what the kingdom demands from god's people is much more than what god will ever demand from the world because they don't have the word they don't have the power the strength of the holy spirit what he demands from us why does the people in the world work they work so they can earn a salary and they can feed their families god says not my people my people don't work to feed their families that i will take care of he says my people work so that they will have to give to those who need that's why my people work because your father is a giver the father will feed you even the sparrows eat they don't die the plants grow they don't wither away your father takes you are children but he says you are to be like your father you work so that you may have something to give to those who don't have and god says are you a giver is that why your focus of your work is focus of your work is change the way you think change completely because many many people do not have time to fellowship is because they haven't understood what life is all about in the kingdom and the more you stay away from fellowship you don't realize two things are happening one you're becoming more like the world and two your soul is wasting away that's what scripture says he gave them what they asked but he sent leanness into their souls sent leanness into their souls that's what god is talking think what are we what are we there is incredible incredible strength in fellowship but to be able to really truly come out and fellowship we have to change the way we think and god says stop being what you are and be what god says you should be and there is power of the holy spirit release for that available for that 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 44 scripture says, now all who believed were together. Together. They had things in common. It was not that they did not have private property. It is that they didn't hold on to what was theirs as theirs own. They knew it was a family. Like we all know in our own flesh and blood family. We are very flesh and blood. Though we say we are born of the spirit, very flesh and blood. Let your brother or your sister or your nephew or niece or grandchild or whatever fall ill. Are there any restraints? No. Why? Because you know that's family. Though you had your own home and your own account and your own possessions, when there was a need in the family, suddenly all restrictions were taken off because you knew that is family. So suddenly when that occasion came, you realized you are holding it in in common. But God says that was exactly what the church was, much more than the physical world could be. That was what the church was. They held things in common. Because why I am saying is that if this second part, if you take each of these pillars of the doctrine, when the actual day of judgment comes, people will just fall apart and you will realize I have not, I've just came through the fire. I just came through the fire with the work that he done. I have absolutely nothing to show. Because so much of our things are determined not by doctrine, it is determined by emotion. There is strength in fellowship. There is unity in fellowship, in sharing, in resources, talents, abilities, time, everything. Even children in Jesus. They really understood what the kingdom of God is and what stewardship is. Actually, you won't need supervisors. You would supervise yourself. You don't need supervisors. Why do you need supervisors? You know the truth. The law is for the lawbreakers. Supervisors are for the delinquents. You don't need supervisors. You don't need to be told what to do, what not to do, what to study, what not to study, how to wear, how not to wear, what to speak, what you know it all. Do you need still a supervisor? That is the strength of fellowship. There is strength in fellowship. There is incredible sweetness in fellowship when the doctrine is practiced in verse 46 and 47 of Acts chapter 2. So continuing daily with one accord. How do you ever come into one accord when doctrine is not followed with fellowship? In the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the church. Long time ago, I met a pastor in Tamil Nadu, in Coimbatore, if I'm right. Old man, nice, I liked what he said. He said, Pastor, when my church reaches 200, I break it. 100, 100, and tell one of my assistants to pastor it. I don't let it grow more than 200 because I cannot handle more than 200. This is a family, not a program. What do you want? 40,000 people, 20,000 people, and then you have e-cards and e-gate and e-e-e-e-e. 
when trumpet blows they will be going into heaven with ee they will go this is a home this is a family break it down and given charge so that the family is mentored and taken care of all kind of gadgets they bring in and can you run your home with gadgets which is what's happening today gadgets run the home gadgets run the home praising god having favor with all the people and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved awesome right there's sweetness in their fellowship that's what some 133 verse one says you know what it says how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity lord of people today's mindset is the only way i can stay in unity with my brother is if i stay far away from him that's a false unity no god says thrash it out thrash it out you are called to live together for eternity just imagine you avoid one brother all your life on earth and twinkling when a rapture takes place and find he is your neighbor for eternity what are you going to do cuz jesus said according to the measure <laughs> you avoided him all your life on earth do i put it together so all of eternity spent time together church that's how it works that's why the wise foolish king called solomon actually said something interesting about the power of fellowship in ecclesiastic chapter 4 9 to 12 yeah two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor for if they fall one will lift up his companion but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up again if two lie down together they will keep warm how can one be warm alone though one may be overpowered by another two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken He's talking about in so many ways prophesying about the church it will be will be a threefold cord strength that comes from true doctrine and you keep the doctrine and you fellowship within the parameters given he says you have a very very strong family which will be able to stand persecution and the church in the book of acts withstood persecution and kept on growing i will tell you something about persecution if you look at persecution in china the church has grown and grown and grown if you look at persecution in north africa the church has shrunk persecution it does in itself does not bring growth it's the doctrine have you practice in fellowship that makes growth the church in you in china is not divided they're very strong in fellowship they're committed to one another but often in africa the church was never committed into each other so persecution came they just fell apart So don't ever think as persecution has come into India the church is going to grow God says is there such mantra in the bible persecution church grows he says no what makes it grow is the doctrine and the fellowship and the judgment that takes place because of fellowship you have communion you judge one another you ask for forgiveness you move on and then you pray fervently unity has been brought and then the church grows otherwise God says no it doesn't God has not used persecution as a van to increase the church. He said, "Never. It's the preaching of the gospel that increases the church." 
But if there is no fellowship, scripture says, like a family, it starts breaking down. The family starts breaking down. Apply it to families too. Because what breaks the family down? It is selfishness. You keep, you don't give. But in the kingdom you learn to give and to share your life. So in the family of God, you learn to give. You are no longer lonely. In the world it's all about loneliness. Loneliness. But in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, you are no longer alone. Because you know I am no longer alone because of fellowship. You are no longer afraid. In the world they are afraid. In the kingdom of God they are not afraid. Why? Because you always know I have friends and have family. In the world it is discouragement. But in the kingdom of God, fellowship actually brings real encouragement because you have a brother who sister says, I got your back. I am there. We are there for you. In the world you have misunderstanding. Where there is real fellowship, you actually overcome misunderstanding because you really get to know what the other person is really like. Really like. That's what kingdom of God is talking about. So close, there was a little boy who used to deliver newspapers. And he was delivering a newspaper to a puppy, uh, to a, this thing, and he saw a puppy litter. So he asked, uh, can I have this puppy? So he said, it'll cost you $25. He said, okay, I'll work the whole year and pay you little by little. Okay. Then uh, the mother came out and with her was a whole litter of puppies. And one puppy was limping. So he said, can I have that one? So the man looked at him and said, why do you want that one? That one is not going to amount to anything. That can't run with you. That can't play with you. That can't jump with you. Then the little boy looked at the man and said, sir. And he lifted his trousers and showed his leg. He didn't have a leg. He had a steel crutch. And he said, sir, you see this? That puppy needs somebody who understands him. Now that's what the church is. The church is not full of perfect people. The people who understands because they have gone through something. And that will not happen unless each one chooses to fellowship. And fellowship is one of the pillars, foundational pillars on which Christ builds his body. And as a church, you see the announcements. We have doctrinal sessions, which is Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. First Saturday, we have time for the men alone. Fourth Saturday, we have time for the women alone. Third Saturday, we have time for everybody. And second Saturday, we have an opportunity given to the church to serve his servants. Right? And every Sunday after church, you have an opportunity not just to fellowship here over drinks, and snacks, but even come over, doesn't matter, even the whole lot comes over, there is always lunch and time to fellowship. And I'm telling you from experience, I have asked, I don't think there is a single church in this city which offers you that. Every time we meet, we eat. Every time we meet, why? Because it's from scripture, they ate gladly house to house. 
Because cities, it is difficult to eat from house to house. We have made it a common place and says, come eat and fellowship, get to know one another. But it's a choice you make. It's a choice you make. And you have to make a choice because you're part of a family. Choices you make for your flesh and blood family sometimes. Ah, my sister is living over there. How far? Delsugnagar. That's my sister. It's not too far. Though it is far. You have to make choices. And as you make these choices, you know what? The doctrine will be put to effect. Then you will realize you are nudging and you are getting irritated and you are getting offended and God says, good. I want that to happen so that you get to know each other. That is the kind of person she is. Don't tell her that. She gets upset easily. Okay, that's it. Okay, be careful. You get to know each other. You ask for forgiveness and then you become more and more one and the prayer changes. Then you start praying. Scripture says God started moving in their midst and the people were in awe. What we trying to do is we take doctrine and we have made communion into an institution and then we try to pray, nothing happens. I didn't say that. I put structure. Very clear. This is structure in my family. You understand the rules of the game? You fellowship deeply, committed, deeply, consistently. You keep fellowshipping over and over and over and over again. You judge yourself. You make peace with one another. You break bread. And then you come together in prayer regularly. He says, things will happen in your midst. You don't have to worry. It will happen. God will move in your midst. That is how God has always worked in history, in his churches. Rest are programs. Though you are programmers, our God is not. It's not a programmer. It's a father. And he's building a family. He's building a now ask yourself this question for the day as you go back. Do I love my family? I didn't ask you, do you like your family? Likes and dislikes are preferences. Love is a choice. Do you love your family? Do you choose to be with your family? Do you love your family? Do you choose to be with your family? Take that. That's how you grow. God has bound himself only with his word. He has not bound himself with anything else. Scripture actually says, I watch over my word to perform it. When a church falls into the parameters set by God's word, we don't even have to worry about it. God will start moving in their midst. Automatically. So keep aside Always time for fellowship. Say, it's a little far, but I'm going. And I'm going. And I'm taking my children. I'm telling you to among your parents. Don't isolate your children. You will regret it one day. You keep your little ones away from the fellowship from the church. Your church children will grow up thinking they are cat's whiskers. They're not good to mingle with the others. Don't make those mistakes. Let them loose with the others. Let them grow up together knowing this is a community of believers. This is one family. And I'm telling you, do not be partial. Do not be partial. All children are the same. 
all children are the same. They all have one father in heaven. Okay. Understand these things. That is how it works. Sometimes we are so gung-ho about our own children and we are so obsessed with our own children to break that idolatry. God takes his hand off our children. Lord, why did it happen? Didn't I pray? He said, yes, you did. That's why I took my hand off because you're only praying about your child. Only praying about your child. You forgot all the other children in my house. They're also your children. Because they're also my children. Don't make mistakes. God is dead against idolatry. And he will break every idol in every life. If you are in his body. Because he has said in his kingdom, the kingdom is coming. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Because you are receiving something that will not be shaken. And as long as there are idols in our life, fellowship is restrained. It's restricted. The one thing idolatry affects is fellowship. One thing idolatry affects is families. Families. Families are broken not because of issues. Actually families are broken because of idolatry. Of things or self. My way or the highway. It's God's way. It's not your way or my way. It's God's way. What does the word of God say? That's doctrine. What does it say? And it doesn't matter whether I like it or not like it. You bend your knee to the word of God. Because it is written. It's simple. And it's not about things. Things don't matter. Things don't matter at all. Don't build your life around things. The biggest danger you can have in life. Godliness with contentment is a great thing. That's the great thing. Not in things. So value fellowship today. Honestly, value fellowship. Spend time. But when you talk about fellowship, remember parameters of fellowship are kept in the Bible. Not the way they do it in the world. Encourage, edify, love one another. Things that are positive. Some are so depressive, they they have a they have a wave of depression around them. They are like that uh, Ayor. Remember Ayor? In Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, Ayor, whatever he's called. That donkey in Winnie the Pooh. You can't get one positive word out of him. Nothing. Some people are like that. But change, that's not fellowship. Change. Because we are people who have read the end of the book. There's a new creation, new heaven, and a new earth, and a new city. And when I read about that, I saw the bride beautifully dressed for her husband. It's all about the bride in chapter 21. It's all about her. That's us. God is preparing a place that eyes haven't seen or ears heard for his bride. So what are we worried about the future? Our future is determined already by God. Make quality choices today. Doctrine, don't avoid doctrine. Because doctrine will define fellowship. Fellowship, trouble will be there in fellowship. Judgment and then prayer. That applies to families too. Everything here applies to families too. Get the doctrine of family from Ephesians 5 and 6. Apply it in fellowship. When you ruffle feathers... 
make peace make peace appu and raj honeymoon will soon be over and issues will rise the newly married couples they have stars i was watching their video stars <laughs> the last stars soon the stars will become a twinkle then soon you will start asking twinkle twinkle little star i wonder where you are <laughs> okay but keep flourishing you can grow stronger and stronger if it is a fairy tale real fairy tale you can keep it a fairy tale if you keep to god's principle you know god's principle it we can still be f- because if there wasn't those expectations do you know every fairy tale writes at the end they lived happily ever after can there be an expectation in a human heart put by god if there is not a possibility it's not possible if a human heart expects something it's because the divine god has put that possibility in the heart it is still possible for man to live happily ever after if you go by the rules and definitely for a church too it is possible it is possible that doesn't come from isolating or insulating but getting actively into that and says we are one body and we shall fellowship amen shall we stand shall we pray Father we just come to you this morning we just thank you lord we just thank you thank you thank you you have brought us through father as the church 11 months are over next time we gather sunday it will be the 12th month we just thank you lord thank you broken lives put together by a living god your healing was there your deliverance was there your provision was there above all your life was there lord but we are not satisfied lord when we look into the word we see the possibilities in the kingdom of god and we choose to believe for scripture says nothing is impossible with god and all things are possible with him or her who believes we believe we believe and we will lord strive for that unity try for that oneness that comes in Christ will be bound by doctrine will be bound in fellowship will be bound in the breaking of bread and will be bound in prayer lord steadfast i pray father steadfast that each one will make that choice knowing that this is the eternal body you have put us in this is the family we belong to forever and ever and one day we'll be joined with the rest of the body but today on earth you have put us together here and i pray lord we'll be committed committed lord in fellowship committed in fellowship thank you thank you father that through fellowship not only do we know you better and better and your power working in us but we'll also know each other better and we'll be there for each other father thank you thank you lord that we will know father that we have holding everything together in common because we are one family in christ i speak your peace into every heart today every home today where there are conflicts i pray today they will sit down and discuss the issues they will put their emotions away lord and make their emotions their slaves and not their masters
they will sit down and discuss issues as reasonable men and women discuss issues and look for answers from the word of god not in logic not in philosophy not in from the world but from the word of god and surrender to the word of god and receive the answer and walk in unity father i pray for healing today healing in hearts healing in lives healing in homes oh balm of gilead flow father flow come against every spirit of oppression command you to lead people today in jesus name every thought that does not align with the word of god we pull it down in the name of jesus and apply the blood of jesus in our minds in our thoughts cleanse our thoughts cleanse our attitudes cleanse our hearts purify our souls o oh lord that truly we can we can become the people of god thank you thank you father once again we lift the ones who are not well in their body before thee i pray lord you would touch them and you would heal them you bring them out of their sick beds o oh lord thank you father as we go i bless your people in your name may the hand of god be upon them presence of god be their portion may god go before them through this week and this new month that is coming may your presence go before us and we will know lord that you are sufficient your grace is sufficient for us thank you thank you father now by faith believing we are sanctified by the blood by the word and by the spirit we choose to lift up our holy hands and we bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name Thank you father. We ask all this father in Jesus precious name. Amen. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, abide and unite us even more as one body. Amen. And amen.